All right, guys. Um, hey, uh, hey, we're going to have some fun this, uh, this series, okay? Can we do some different stuff here? I know that's uh, uh, great things. Uh, I love those videos. And listen, every week's a different one of those, and you just need, you just need to be here is all I can say. Um, but uh, hey, before we get started, I was told to uh, say to you guys, we, are, we, we have just a few of these T-shirts left for sale out there in the lobby. And so you can go uh, get one, buy one, and uh, there you go. You guys fight over that one. There you go. There's somebody one for free. And um, hey, so today, man, I'm so excited. Just like the video said, first day of the series, uh, Love Handles. And, uh, and man, literally, we have been uh, talking about this series and praying about it for for honestly, months. Um, I started thinking about this series uh, last August, and so we just put a lot of energy into thinking through this series and what we wanted to say and do. And so I'm really excited about it as we, uh, we're just taking the whole month and, and talking about love and sex and, and relationships. And, and here's what I know, um, especially in church, having been in church uh, world for a while, I, I, know, I know that when you talk about those kind of things, when you talk about sex and, and relationships in church, it gets a little awkward, doesn't it? Uh, doesn't, it doesn't it feel a little awkward uh, that, that we're talking about these things? We're going to do a whole series on, this, uh, on just this idea of sex and relationships. So it just feels awkward to even talk about uh, this kind of thing in church. But here's what I've uh, come to realize. Uh, life is filled with awkward things, isn't it? Isn't, isn't life just filled with things that are awkward, um, let, me, let, me, let me just share one for you, and, and if you can help me with this one, oh my goodness, I would love to speak to you afterwards, because this is just something that is so awkward for me, and 35 years old, I just don't know how to handle this, it's just so awkward for me, but have you ever been in Walmart, or maybe a grocery store, just anywhere like that, and you see somebody you know, and they see you, and, and you kind of pull your buggy up to them, or they pull their buggy up to you, and you just begin to chat. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you're doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. And you just ask each other, how are your family? How are the kids? Oh, my kids are doing great. How are your kids? Oh, my kids are better than yours. And, you know, just all of this, um, all of this stuff. And so you talk, and you connect a little bit, and then all of a sudden the conversation's end, and you got to get your shopping done. they got to get their shopping done. And you say, all right, well, hey, it's so good seeing you, man. I'll see you later. And you just walk away. And then you turn the next style. You're going to go down frozen foods. And all of a sudden, there they are again. You just talk to them. And so, you're, so your buggy's going. You're just going. You're walking. And, oh, there they are again. There they are. And there's that awkward moment. It's good seeing you again. It's again. Just saw you over there. And, and then you walk by. You turn the next style. There they are again. And then the next style. And, the ne- and you just keep seeing them. What do you do in that moment, man? I don't know. I wish there was a Bible verse on what to do because every time I just like, (laughs) that's all I know. Listen, if I see you at Walmart and we talk once and after that, I just begin to spaz out. I'm telling you, that's what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. I need help, people. See help, man. It's awkward, isn't it? It's, it's, It's awkward. Here's another thing. Some things are awkward, but they're necessary. You ever notice that? Some things are awkward, but they're, they're necessary. So, so, you know, maybe, maybe there's something going on with you. You just don't feel 100%. Physically, you've got something going on. You know something's up, and you should probably go to the doctor and talk to the doctor about it, but you don't want to because it's awkward. You, you don't want to talk to the doctor about that. You don't want to have a conversation about that with another human being. But you know you probably should. It's awkward, but it's, it's awkward, but it's necessary. See, I don't know if you've realized this, when it comes to sex, everybody is talking about it. 
everybody is talking about. It's in movies, everybody on television, music, it's in books, adults are talking about it, kids, teenagers are talking about it, and if you're in the seat saying, well, my kids ain't talking about it, you don't know your kids, man. They are talking about some stuff, all right? Everybody, everybody's talking about it. If you're not talking about it, you're probably thinking about it. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere. It's on billboards. It's in ads. It's everywhere. Sex is everywhere. Everybody is talking about it except the church. The church is silent on it. Everybody outside of the church is talking about it, but the church is silent on it. Well, maybe that's not necessarily true. Really, the message that if you go to church long enough, maybe, that you, maybe this is the message that you've heard uh, in church is sex is dirty and gross, save it for marriage. Right? Sex is dirty, save that for your husband. That's gross. Don't only save it for your husband. That's gross. Save it for him. He loves you. Right? And the church is by and large silent on it. But here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. Everybody outside of the church is talking about it, and for all the talk, there's never been more confusion. Everybody inside the church is silent about it because it makes you feel weird to talk about it in church. Some of you feel dirty right now, like we need showers in the lobby. It's on your face, people, okay? We just don't know. You're, You're silent in church. What's happened? Confusion outside the church, confusion inside the church. And listen, let me just drop some stats on you as to why we're doing this series and why I'm convinced we need to talk about it. These are statistics, okay? These are statistics. 70% of men, 70% of men surveyed admitted to cheating on their wives. 70%. 70%. Or here, here's, let me give you another, uh, another number, 47%. 47%, that's the statistic that says 47% of Christian households admit that pornography is a strong problem in their homes. 47%. Give me another one. 20% of teenagers admit, these are only the ones that have admitted to doing it. 20% of teenagers admit to sending a naked or semi nude picture of themselves or posting it on a social media site. 20%. And those are only the ones that admit to it. Everybody's talking about it except for the church. And so what we've decided to do is we've decided to talk about it. And, and, and here's what we're going to do um, every, every uh, week in this series, because just the idea is trying to get a grip on this, trying to get a grip on love and on sex and on relationships. And, and so because of the, all of the confusion that's out there and that honestly is in this room right now, what we're going to do every week is we're going to take a different lie that people believe when it comes to love, sex, and relationships, and we're just going to dissect that thing and just Talk about it. So these are all sermon titles, and this is where the series is going to go. So next week, it's called It's No Big Deal. That's the name of the sermon. Next Sunday, it's no big deal. Sex is no big deal. You should sleep with who you want. We'll see if that's true. And then after that is I can do what I want. I can do what I want. Hey, I've got these desires. I feel this way. Lady Gaga tells me I was born this way. I can do what I want with no consequences. No consequences. And then, and then the last part of the series, it's just porn. That's the title of the sermon. It's just porn. Okay, but here's today. today we're not there yet. We're here today. And here's the thing that we're going to talk about today. So uh, t- today's sermon title, the lie that we're talking about today, if you go out to a restaurant or something after church and they say, hey, what did the preacher talk about? Here's what you can tell them. Today's sermon is called God Hates Sex. Tell that to somebody at Circle T. 
What do they talk about at Summit? God hates sex. Knew it was a cult. Right? God hates sex. Um, <laughs> this is going to be so fun. I'm so fired up. Um, right? Maybe that's what you've heard, that God hates sex. Some churches give that message explicitly, but maybe you've never heard that message given explicitly, but it's just implied that God hates sex. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to see, is that true or not? And so I just got to tell you, and I believe that you can handle it, man, we're going to do a lot of Bible today, guys. I tried to put most, if not all, I think is going to be up on the screen. But man, there's just going to be a lot of Bible. We're going to go to a lot of different places. But I want you to open up or turn on to really one place. So don't worry about trying to keep up with me because you're not going to, but I do want you to have one in front of you. Genesis, it's easy, Genesis 1 and 2. Okay, so go ahead, open your Bible, uh, open it up, turn it on on your uh, phone, your mobile device, whatever you're packing today. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 is where, uh, honestly, I want you to open up, and I just want you to stay there. Everything else, it, it will be on the screen behind me. Again, you can write it down, just don't try to keep up with everywhere else that we're going to go. But I want you to look at Genesis 1 and two, and let me just give some context here because we're about to read several things from this. Genesis chapter one is, is the creation event. So, so you're reading about how God, created, how God created the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, animals, and then people, Adam and Eve. So we're going to read that. So Genesis one is the creation week, the creation event. But what happens in Genesis chapter two is Genesis 2 goes back and zooms in on the event when God created man and woman. So Genesis 1, God creates everything. We get this big, broad view. Genesis 2 zooms in because it says, hey, listen, it's a big deal when God made man and woman. Let's talk about that some more. I just want you to have that in mind when we read this today. So Genesis 1, and let's read verses 26 through 28, okay? Genesis 1, 26, <clears throat> excuse me, through 28. Then we're going to skip, we're going to read a bunch of stuff in Genesis chapter 2. All right, so Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, over the, birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created uh, him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Do you know what that is, Summit? Bomb chicka, wow, wow. Um. <laughs> I love this, man. If nobody else had a good time, I did. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Again, broad view, let's zoom in a little bit. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 9, 7 through 9, rather. Then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We'll stop right there. At, starting in verse 10 all the way down through verse 17, we get a glimpse of what it was like with God and 
Adam. Again, because Genesis 1 gives us this, this big, broad view. It looks like in Genesis 1, God creates man and woman, and then the very next thing he says is be fruitful and multiply. But again, we're zooming in. And when we zoom in, what we see is that before God created woman, Adam and God had a relationship. I need you to remember that idea. I really need you to keep that and just put it in your back pocket for easy access. God and Adam had a relationship. Now let's look at, uh, again, again, a lot of Bible. Man, you can handle it. Now let's look at verse 18, and we'll just read all the way through the rest of the chapter, 18 through 25. Follow me on the screen here. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground that the Lord God had formed, every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Now stop right there. Some of you are here, you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe in God, and you're reading this and you're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saying, bro, that you believe that God caused this guy to fall asleep, took one of his ribs, formed that rib into a woman. Yes, we believe that. And the reason we believe that, let me just pause and say this, the reason we believe that is because this is not the wildest event in the Bible, Okay? The wildest event in the Bible is that chapters later, there was a guy named Jesus, and they tortured him to death, killed him. Three days later, he came back from the dead. He's alive right now, and he is ready and willing to save anyone in this room that today wants a fresh start. So because we believe that, we believe it all. So do I believe this? Absolutely. Does does our church believe it? You better bet, okay? Let's continue. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife, oh, this is so key. Would you watch this? We're both naked. Now, here's what I want you to see. And we're not, what's the next word? Ashamed. They were not ashamed. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So here's what happens. God creates Adam, and God and Adam had a relationship. And God saw that Adam was alone, and he says, wait a second, that guy's alone. Something's going to get broken because it's a dude. That's not a good thing. And so God puts Adam to sleep, and while Adam is asleep, God takes one of his ribs, and from that rib forms a woman. And we're not told how long Adam sleeps, but when Adam woke up, he sees something he has never seen before in his life. A woman. And she is naked. And so Adam begins to sing to his wife. Ladies, imagine if your husband started to sing to you. Some of you, that would be horrifying. Right? But he literally does. This is a song that Adam sings to his wife. He looks at her and he says, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Translation, she's hot. And did I say naked? And then God brings Adam and Eve together and God performs the very first wedding ceremony and then Adam and Eve consummate the marriage. See, God doesn't hate sex. God created it. God doesn't hate 
sex. It, it, it's, it's not shocking to him that it exists. He created it. It's not as if God did the, the wedding ceremony for Adam and Eve, and then at the reception, God goes to the punch bowl, gets some punch, and then finds Adam and Eve behind a bush and says, what are y'all doing? Some of you will get that later. No, God told them to do this. Be fruitful and multiply. See, because sex is a gift from God. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Because God created it and it's a gift from him, God tells us how this should work. God didn't create sex and then leave it alone for us to figure out how we should work, how this all should work, and, and how, what this, these kind of relationships should look like. God created sex, God created relationships, and then he said, no, 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 this is how this should go. See, I don't know if you saw it, I tried to, I tried to highlight it for you, but did you notice at the end of chapter 2 that the man and his wife were both naked and they were not what? Does anybody remember? Here's the deal. A lot of people say, you know what? All God wants to do is God wants to hold you back. God wants to keep you from experiencing any fun in your life. That's why God says safe sex for marriage, man. God's just some cosmic killjoy, and he wants your life to be lame. He wants to hold you back, doesn't want you to experience anything. No, no, no. Did you know that God's plan for all of us is to live a life with no shame, no regrets, and no secrets? That's a different way to live, isn't it? No shame, no regrets, and no secrets. See, God creates sex, and he says, you know what? There's some ingredients here that have to be in place for this to work properly. Really, there's three ingredients. Three things God shows us that have to be in place for sex to go the way that God designed it to go. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write these uh, three ingredients down uh, because they apply to every single one of us in here, no matter how young and no matter how old. The first one is a man in a relationship with Jesus. A man in a relationship with Jesus. Because God made Adam and God and Adam had a what? Starts with R, ends with a relationship. Relationship. God and Adam had a relationship. Listen, let me get the attention of every man that's in this room right now. I don't care care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. If you are a man, I want you to look at me right now. Let me get the attention of every dude, bro in the room right now. And I just want to say to every man in here that the best thing you can do for your wife, the best thing you can do for your kids, or the best thing you can do for your future spouse and family is to love Jesus and passionately pursue him. That's the best thing that you can do. It is better than climbing the corporate ladder. It is better than providing everything they've ever wanted. It is better than vacations on the beach every summer. It is better than a big house and nice cars in the garage. The best thing that you can do is to love Jesus and to passionately pursue him. Now, I've been in church world long enough to know that there are some dudes, there's some guys in the room that are saying this. Well, man, I, I just ain't got the personality to be passionate and excited about that kind of thing, Brother Mark. I just don't get passionate about stuff. That's not true. I know that's not true, guys. Because I'm friends with a lot of you on Facebook, and a lot of you lose your ever-loving mind when a couple of college kids can't win a basketball game. That was awesome right there. I should, we should have the invitation right now. You're passionate. 
But maybe your passions are spread on small things. See, the best thing you can do, guys, for yourself and for your family and for your future family, if you're not married and have kids yet, is to love Jesus and passionately pursue him. So let me say this to all the ladies in the room. Ladies, you're here. You're, 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 you're not married. You're single. You're praying about that one. Let me talk to every lady in the room, every woman in the room that fits that description. Listen, you don't want simply a man. You want a godly man. A godly man, not a perfect man. There are no perfect men. There was one, and his name was Jesus, but there are no perfect men. You want a godly man that loves Jesus. So I want to give every guy in the room right now, men, listen, I want to give you permission to be the godly man in your house. I want to give you permission to be the man of God at your school, guys. I want to give you permission to be the man of God where you work, where you live. I want to give you permission to do that. You say, listen, I've never done that before. I want to say to you men that know Jesus, I want to say to you that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And we sing this song all the time. He is roaring like a lion, ready to come out for you to be the man of God wherever God has placed you. If you fail at it a thousand times, I want to say to you that God's grace is greater than your failure. Today's a new day. Let's start today. What, Ladies, if you're married, if you're married, you should be praying every day for your husband's relationship with Jesus. And when he takes a step to try to lead the family spiritually, when he takes a step, no matter how big, no matter how small, would you encourage him in that? Would you speak words of life into him in that moment? Don't discourage him. Well, you ain't never tried this before. Mm. Mm. Oh, listen, every time he tries to do anything, I don't care what it is, speak words of life into him. He prays for dinner tonight for the very first time. You pull him aside after he's done and say, baby, listen, when you pray for the fried chicken, that was hot. Just say it, and he will love that. He's been praying you talk to him like that anyway. All the fellas said amen. First thing you need, though, is a man in a relationship with Jesus. Here's number two. You know know where this is going. You need a woman in a relationship with Jesus. A woman in a relationship with Jesus. Ladies, listen to me. The most important relationship in your life needs to be your relationship with Jesus. Most important relationship in your life. So again, guys, just like I spoke to ladies that are single and praying about the guy that God's bringing bringing into their life. Guys, if you're here and you're single, you're praying about that woman, listen to me. Guys who are not married, listen to me. I don't care how hot she is. Does she love Jesus? And if she doesn't, that girl is poison. Some of you will get that reference. That was only for a few people. But if she doesn't love Jesus... What are you pursuing with her? You want a woman that loves Jesus. Listen, husbands, pray every single day for your wife's relationship with Jesus. Pray every single day that she would grow more and more into the woman that God wants her to be. Listen, look at this verse right here that's going to come up on the screen. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, 3-4. through 4. This is for all the ladies in here. Watch this. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, 
which is so precious to God. See, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to this verse. Let me tell you what this verse is not saying. This verse is not saying you should never wear makeup, you should never get your hair cut, you should only wear denim and make your own butter. Um, That's not what this verse is saying. Was that too far? Um, Sorry, we'll edit that on the tape. That's not what it says, but here's what it says. Here's what it is saying, ladies. Oh, get this. In a culture that wants you to be defined by outward appearance, let the defining characteristic of your life be your relationship with God. Let the thing that defines you be that you are a woman of God. That woman loves Jesus. That woman walks with God. Parents, if you're here, you should be praying for your sons and your daughters this way right now. Pray that your sons would grow up to be strong men of God who lead their family and love Jesus and passionately pursue him. Pray that your daughters grow up to be strong women of God who are identified and known by their love for Jesus. How would our world be different if we prayed that way for our kids every day? And that's what we poured into them as the most important thing, that they be men and women of God. I think that would make a difference. I think that would make a difference. So you need two things. You need two things. A man in a relationship with Jesus and a woman in a relationship with Jesus. And then number three, marriage. Marriage. See, let me be really clear here. Um, God created sex to be between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. Period. God created sex to be between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage, period. Now, somebody's saying this, and this is a great question if you're thinking this. Well, Mark, that's Genesis 1. What about Jesus? Mark, you're in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, I'm glad you brought it up because did you know that Jesus talked about love, sex, and relationships? Did did you know that Jesus talked about sex and relationships? Maybe you didn't let me show it to you here. This is Matthew 19. This is Jesus. Jesus gets a question about divorce, and he says this. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh, we're really going to pack that, unpack that idea rather next week, but what he's talking about, sex. So they are no longer two but one flesh. I'd love to jump on that statement there and just say that's why sex is a big deal because it's not two bodies coming together. It is two people becoming one forever. Next week. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says, that sex is between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage, period. And, and anything outside of that box is outside of God's plan. Now I know What I am saying right now is extremely controversial. Because listen, I am specifically talking about homosexual marriage. Homosexual marriage is outside of that box that we just read from Jesus. One husband, one wife within the context of marriage. Again, this is extremely controversial in our day. But listen, we simply do not have the right to change what God has established. We don't. We don't have that right. And so let me say this. Let me say this. Anybody that, anybody that listens to this sermon, anybody that might be here, listen to the podcast, you share this with your friends, and you struggle with same-sex attraction, let me talk to you for a moment. I want to say a couple of things to you if that's you. First thing I want to say to you as the pastor of this church, I love you. And I'm so excited that you are here. 
I'm so excited that you are listening to this. I love you. And the second thing I want to say to you is that Christians have done a bad job with this issue. Christians have done a bad job with this issue because here's, what, here's what's happened. What's happened is Christians and churches, big C churches, all churches in general, we've elevated this issue so that it is the issue, it is the sin, when the Bible says it is a issue and it is a form of sexual sin. And so what happens is churches will talk about homosexuality, but they won't say a thing about the person in their pews that's cheating on their wife. They won't say a thing about the person in the pew that's addicted to pornography. We will not do that. Listen, listen, I want to say to you, regardless of the sexual sin that you're struggling with today, but if you struggle with same-sex attraction, I want to say to you, that is not God's best for your life. This is, and this isn't hate speech. This is not hate speech. This is just truth. It's not God's best for your life. And I believe that the gospel is so strong and so powerful that I don't care what the issue is in your life today, there is hope and there is change and there is new beginning and his name is Jesus for you. And it might not even be sex for you. It might be a heroin addiction. It might be meth. It might be materialism. It might be gossip. It might be fill in the blank. And the gospel is always greater. There is always hope. So I don't care what sexual sin you might struggle with today, I want to say to you that, that outside of that one husband, one wife, within the context of marriage, that's not God's best. Think, think about it this way. Think about it this way. Um, oh, man, it's been really cold here lately, the polar vortex. Nobody's been rocking the tank top, I don't think. Um, and uh, some of you have been using your fireplaces to get warmed up, right? You've been you know, using a fireplace, things like that. Fire is great in the fireplace, but if it gets out, somebody gets burned. See, God created sex to be within a certain context, one husband, one wife, and in the context of marriage. And if it gets outside of that, you know what happens? Somebody just gets burned. Somebody just gets Shame, regret, damage, life. Somebody gets hurt every time. Every time. And listen, guys, I know this is controversial. I know, I know this is not what the culture is saying to you. I know this is not what you're going to hear today when you leave these doors because what you're going to hear all week long is you should sleep with whoever you want. You should hook up. You should flirt with that old flame from high school even though you've married somebody else. Hey, you know what? Who cares about how far is too far? If you've got these desires, if you've got these feelings, you should give in to them. You're going to hear all week long, all you are is is your desires. All week, all, all week long, you're going to hear all you are, you are your hormones. You are that sex drive. But here's what I want to say to us today. I want to say to our church, you were not made for sex. You were made for God. You were made for God. Man, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I love Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, Without a prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Do you know what that means? That verse on the surface, it doesn't have anything to do with sex and love and relationships. But here's what it says. Without a big vision 
for our lives. People begin to do whatever they want to do. If they don't have a big vision of something, then vision gets no higher than what we want in the moment. And so all of a sudden what that leaves us with is sleeping around and all kinds of regret and Miley Cyrus twerking on stage. I've never seen that. I just pray all the time. That's what I've heard you watch. Um, But without a vision, we just cast off restraint. We just do what we want. Listen, I want to challenge our church, and this series is all about me challenging our church to get a bigger vision. I want to challenge you today to get a bigger vision of who God is, to get a bigger vision for what God could do in and through your life. I want to challenge our church to get a bigger vision. I want to challenge the teenagers in our church to get such a big vision of God, to get such a big vision of God that he's that great, that he's that good, that he's that satisfying, that you would choose purity and you would start to say no to small things because a great vision can cause you to say no to small things and yes to great things so that you would have a vision in your life. Every teenager, every middle school and high school student with a vision in your life that grips you and causes you to go down a path that might not be popular, that might get you ridiculed, you might all of a sudden lose friends and you're not getting invited to parties and people look at you and they laugh and they're calling you a loser, they're saying you're out of touch, nobody wants to hang out with you, they're asking what your problem is because every teenager is doing stuff like this, but what they don't know is you have a vision and you've got a vision from God, God has spoken into your life, God has set you free and you will never be the same. Why would you settle for small things when you could have the great thing you were made for, Jesus Christ. You're not, you're not holding back because you're some religious dud. You've got a vision. Man, get a vision. Listen, listen. And, and if you're here, you're an adult listening to me talk right now, and you're thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. All teenagers do stuff like that. It's normal. You need a bigger vision. You need to shut up and get a bigger vision. They don't tell you to talk that way in seminary, but I'm fired up, man. I am so fired up right now. I need to go run something. Oh, bench press a car. Now, you need to get a bigger vision for our students. You need to get a bigger vision for your life. Hey, listen to me. If you walked in the room today, you're struggling with baggage of sexual sin from your past, and you're thinking that disqualifies you from usefulness in the kingdom. You're thinking that God doesn't love you because of what you did last night. You're thinking that you're way too dirty because of what somebody did to you, and you should have never experienced it, or what you did a couple of weeks ago, months ago, or years ago, and you're thinking, man, that's all God thinks about when he sees me. God's never going to use my life. There's no way that God loves me anymore. You need a bigger vision of the forgiveness and grace of God because you are not what you did and you are not what they did to you you need a bigger vision of the grace of God hey listen if you're in the seat today and you're addicted to internet pornography you need a bigger vision because you were not made to be a slave to an image on a screen you were made for God listen if you're here today and your marriage is so hard it'd be easier to hit the eject button than stay in that thing and you're about to walk out he or she they're about to walk out too can I encourage you to pause for a second and get a bigger vision man for what God wants to do in your life get a bigger vision for what your marriage could look like if God did a deep work in both of you let's fight to save it and get a bigger vision let's get a bigger vision everybody say bigger vision And here is our vision. Watch this verse right here. Here's the vision that I'm trying to push on us all week, all four weeks of this series, Psalm 5110. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast 
spirit within me. A pure heart, a steadfast heart, a heart that is so captured by a vision of God, we won't turn to the right, we won't turn to the left, we will pursue that vision because he is worth it. I love that Jesus calls himself the bread of life because what he means is Jesus didn't come to simply get you out of hell. Jesus came so that you would not sell out your life to small things. You were made for great things, and his name is Jesus. Let's get a bigger vision. Let's get a bigger vision. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Today, a lot of you are here, and maybe you saw the video that we put of the devil telling you not to come, and you said, the devil tells me not to come. I'm going. Or you saw the logo, or somebody invited you, maybe you knew Brittany, she's getting baptized today. You came to check it out. I don't know what got you in the seat today, but you're here and you're not saved and you know it. You know you don't have a relationship with Jesus and I want to say to you, listen, you were made for more. You were made for more than anything the world could ever give you. And I want to say to you today, if that's you, you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to say to you today, you are loved. You are loved by a God who's got a love for you that's more than anything that you could have ever imagined. And he's not trying to hold you back. He wants to give you life that Jesus says is life to the fullest. He wants to give you a life like you have never dreamed, and it is life in relationship with him. Listen to me. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, today, right there in your seat, you can go to God and ask God to forgive you for your sin. And today, your sin can be forgiven. Today, the Holy Spirit of God can come and live inside of you and begin to make you new. Today, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things can be made new in your life. And you're thinking, yeah, you know what? But I need to stop cursing first. Yeah, you know what? I need to stop doing this stuff first. I need to clean up my life. I need to go to church more. Let me get better at doing some stuff. Let me try harder. No, 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 no. You just come. You don't need to do anything. It's been done for you. You just simply receive what's already been done. So if you're here today and you're not saved, today is the day when all things can be made new in your life. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've got a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to challenge you to get a bigger vision. I want to challenge you to get a bigger vision and to go to God in just a moment and to say, God, I want a bigger vision. God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast Spirit within me that says no to temptation, that says no to immorality, that says no to impurity, and yes to you because you are better. It might not be popular, but it is a vision that can give new direction for our lives. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right here in the stillness of this moment, I pray for every person that's in this room. And God, I know that there's, a, there's somebody in this room today, and this is, this is so, this is like breathing different air. This is so unlike anything that we've heard in the world. And the only reason that we said anything today is because you've said it. And God, it's always that way. When we encounter you and when we hear you speak, it is unlike anything anything that we have ever encountered. And it is because you are greater 
And you are stronger and you are better than anything this world could ever provide. And so, Father, I pray right now for those people who are here today and maybe, they, maybe they've come, they don't have a relationship with you, they're not saved. God, today they would take that step. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that, God, they would cry out to you today for a bigger, stronger vision of you. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, if you are here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, you know that you're not a Christian. I believe that's why God put you in that seat today. I believe that God brought you here because he loves you and today is the day when he wants to begin to make all things new in your life. And all you need to do right there where you sit is to pray and to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin, come into your life. And the Bible says that he promises to do that. And so if you are here today and you want forgiveness from God, you want a new heart, you want a new life, you want your past wiped away and your future changed, Today you can have it all and you simply need to go to God and ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin and to save you. And right now I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And these aren't magic words, but they just try to help you verbalize maybe what God is doing in your life. And so if, you're, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just go to God in prayer and say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and make all things new. Forgive me and help me to live for you from this moment forward to the best that I can. Thank you for your love and thank you for saving me. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking. Did you just pray that prayer? Because listen, if you just prayed that prayer, God never says to keep it private. He always says make it public. And I'm on the count to three. And if today you want to give your life to Jesus, you are making the decision to begin a relationship with him. As soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand up high and fast and hold it there so that we can celebrate with you no matter where you are. If you made that decision, raise your hand when I say three. One, two, three. Right now, raise it up if that's you. If you're making the decision to give your life to Jesus today, I want you just to raise your hand and listen. If you have made that decision on the back of the connection card that we gave you, I want you to take that card and check that box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Don't keep this to yourself. Check that box and on your way out in just a moment, give that to somebody because we've got a special gift we want to give to you. But listen, if you've made that decision, make sure that you let somebody know before you leave. But a lot of you are here and you've got a relationship with Jesus. You're a Christian. And today I want to challenge you to ask God for a bigger vision. A bigger vision that might cause you to make unpopular choices and, and might, might make you look different. But a vision always does that. And there is no greater vision than a clearer vision of who God is. And so I'm just going to lead our church in praying Psalm 51, verse 10. And if that's what God is speaking into your heart today, you want God to renew your love for Him. You want God to, to renew in your heart a desire to follow Him. You want God to renew in you a bigger vision. Then you pray the words of Psalm 51, verse 10 today to God. I'm going to lead our church in a prayer. And here's what I would ask. If you want to pray that today, if you want God to give you a bigger vision, those words are on the screen. Pray it out loud for everyone to hear. Let's get bold with this today. But if you're here today, you've got a Christian, you're a Christian and you're saying, God, I want a bigger vision. I want to ask you to pray this prayer. Simply pray this verse out loud. 
to God today asking for a bigger vision. So everybody that wants to make that commitment and make that your prayer today, would you pray that with me out loud? Just say this with me. The words are on the screen. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Dear Jesus, that is our prayer. That is our prayer. God, we want hearts that are so gripped by you and your glory and your person and your fame and your beauty that, God, it gives direction to our lives. We would not turn to the right or the left. We would run to you because you are worth it. I pray for the person that's struggling with sexual sin today or any temptation, be it whatsoever. Pray that a big vision of you could give freedom to lives today. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, man. Has it been good to be here today? Man, I, man, I tell you what, man, I believe that God is really going to speak to us in this series. And so come back every single week. Anything that God's done in your life today, we want to know about it, church. Let us know about it on the back of that connection card. First returning guest. Hey, make sure you visit us out there in the lobby to your right. We've got a free gift for you. Love to connect with you. Guys, next week, part two of Love Handles. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. You're dismissed. See you next week.